Dave and I are frenemies, and we've been frenemies for 15 years probably. Um, he's got a commercial real estate company, and I have a commercial real estate company. We do a little bit different things. He, he does a lot of land and industrial and homeowners associations. I do office, retail, um, small business owners that are looking for buildings. But we cross over a little bit, and about 15 years ago, we started a radio show. This was back when everybody was trying to decide whether or not we should get an arena in a place like Lincoln. Did we really need that? Could it, could it succeed? And we felt, and the radio station felt, it probably could, and we, we were going to support it. So that was when we started our show. Yep. Um, do you want to tell a little bit about yourself? No. <laughs> Secret. I've, uh, I started, uh, I got my real estate license in 1985, my salesperson's license. I then uh, have always had uh, my real estate license at commercial uh, brokerage firms here in town. And then in 1994, I went out and set up my own company called Alpers Company, and I uh, do, as Robin mentioned, I do brokerage uh, for both sales and then leasing as well as property management and association management. Uh, but kind of during that 80s time frame, I used to flip houses. Before there was such a term as house flipping. Uh, so I know a little bit about that because I got to do that for old, probably about eight years. So the folks out here that are doing house flipping, I, I can appreciate that. Um, Robin and I, as she mentioned, I think it was a little bit less Wait, than 15 years ago. Tell them what interest rates were. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I started, uh, they were in like the mid-teens. For interest rates and then fairly quickly they were dropping pretty quick i can't i remember they're below 10 percent. so when we see these interest rates today uh it you know while it's frustrating that they had gone up now they kind of kind of come down a little bit for some things uh compared to to those years this looks wonderful by the way now is there something else you wanted me to say Robin? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna let you. Um, and I got started that terribly different time period Dave did. And what I remember about that, yeah, you have to hear about our battle scars, you know, when you listen to people like us. Um, what I remember was that there was a lot of changes as far as partnerships for especially owning commercial real estate. A lot of investors losing a lot of money in the mid 1980s um, because of tax law changes. And then the, the thing that happened in the early to mid-1990s was the Americans with Disabilities Act, and that had a really profound effect, and still does today, on the values of um, certain kinds of buildings that we refer to as functionally obsolete. You know, they're, they're too old, really, to justify the cost of putting an elevator in them, and to this day, it makes it difficult. But then on the other hand, a, a, friend of ours, a commercial broker, recently got back from London, and he was telling me about his trip, and he said, they just don't even conceive of any accommodation for handicapped people over there. I mean, it isn't even a thought. What do people do? 
So it, that goes to show how our society has really changed, and uh, I guess we are a lot more accessible than we used to be. So. Should we talk to them a little bit about, um, maybe let's do a poll of the audience and okay. find out a little bit where you're coming from. How many of you at this point in time own property, investment property, rental property? Just about all of you. Um, <clears throat> How many of you primarily use gross rent multipliers in order to calculate which property is worth? Like you look at the revenue that's coming in over a certain number of years, make an offer on based on revenue. Is that how you do it? Yeah, looks like no. <laughs> Not many. How about cap rates? Do you guys use cap rates? Are most of you? I'm assuming uh, that most of you are doing uh, residential. Is that correct? How many of you are doing commercial? Okay, we got, we got a few of you. Okay, great. So one of the things that we find that we don't do in brokerage uh, a whole lot of uh, multifamily stuff. We do some. I don't know how much have you done, Robin. I've done I've done several of them. I I own. Uh, Multi-family property with my family out of out of town, so I can understand that world because I get to deal with it today. Where we had one of the tenants pull a knife on the tenant across the hall. That was fun. So that was one of my phone calls of the day. Um, she's a little. She's got no problems, unfortunately. Uh, but we don't run into that as much with with our commercial properties that we have. Uh, it looks like, how many of you do have real estate licenses? Oh, wow. That's a big That's a big chunk. Where do you guys uh, hang your licenses? Just yell out. Nebraska Road. Nebraska Road. YouTube. 1867. Oh, sure. Okay. Modern. Where? Modern. Yeah. I put you guys in your space. Bet you didn't know that, did you? Um, what we can tell you about commercial cap rates is that about a year ago, and maybe a few years before that, what we were seeing, a couple years before that, we were seeing 7% cap rates. Um, the, the market is discovering itself right now. Sellers aren't quite sure what to do um, because the runs that they're getting support the cap rates. And by the way, um, I should tell you that if we're, if we're using commercial real estate jargon or any kind of real estate jargon you don't understand, um, my website has, and Dave's website, both have glossaries on them. So you can make a note on your phone and <laughs> go to our website and look at what we're talking about our website has a formula for how to how to figure out the cap rates of that's kind of new to you. Um, but anyway, back to what I was saying, um, about 7% a year ago, I got an offer today from somebody who um, wants to buy a property and they are investors and they want to buy the property based on an eight and a half cap. So that would be a point and a half higher. It will not get accepted, I know that. 
And part of why the commercial market in Lincoln is going through price discovery is because the rents still do support some pretty high prices. So what do you do? I mean, this, this particular slowdown is so different because we have such short supply. I mean, and that's really, that's why the Fed is doing what it's doing because we do have such short supply. The crash in 2008, that was nine day different. You know, there was 3,000 houses that were vacant in 2008, 2009. Today, there's 400. Yeah, not vacant. Available for sale. Or available for sale. Yeah, not sitting empty, but available. So when you get down to 400, that's that's not a lot. And the, the market did need to cool. I'm not surprised we're having interest rates go up. But like I said, you know, until you until until you start seeing vacancies, it's kind of hard to reduce that sell price, isn't it? Until you actually start seeing the vacancies. So I don't know if we're seeing a whole lot of change. I do know in the national markets, um, people that are selling office buildings on a national basis, that they are seeing some of those rates come down, and some of the national investments like Kentucky Fried Chicken or McDonald's buildings or things like that. I've heard that those cap rates are coming down, but we don't get a whole lot of those investments in Lincoln. They don't come available for sale very often. Um, should we talk a little bit about vacancies and office buildings and retail? And <laughs> so one of the terms that really started popping up in the last few years with particularly office space is shadow space, which basically means it's space that is being leased and they're getting revenue off of it, but there's nobody, nobody actually in the space. It's just sitting there. And so we're waiting to see how this is all going to change. We're, we've had a few larger tenants who have started to say, hey, we're, we're dropping our lease. We're going to go someplace. I've had one or two clients who have uh, decided to move to smaller spaces because of what's happening in the world today. And it, most of this has impacted the office space, mostly in the downtown area. We don't see as much of an impact outside of that area, but we just don't know what's going to happen. It's just kind of interesting times. Yes, sir. Did you, so are they moving from bigger spaces to smaller spaces in Lincoln, or are they moving outside of Lincoln? Well, the stuff that most of the stuff that we're seeing, they're still in Lincoln, and, and they're, just, they're just shrinking their space. I'm surprised that we haven't seen more of it than what we have. I thought that we would see a significant amount, but it is, it, it feels like it's starting to happen. I don't deal with downtown as much as uh, some brokers do, but from the people that I talk to, they're starting to see more of that happening. So, but I happen to be the beneficiary of that because somebody left the downtown and was in a 10,000 square foot space and really needed to get down to about a in this particular instance, a 5,500 square foot space. And you hear everybody talking about uh, a hybrid work environment where people are, are going to work 
uh, into their offices, say two or three days a week, and then staying home. And this is this is kind of the effects of some of that. Um, retail is kind of an interesting story. Um, not much vacancy in retail strip malls or even our local malls. Our local malls, in my opinion, are doing surprisingly well, um, especially compared to some of the rest of the country. And we talk about this on our radio show, which goes out into a podcast. We talk about this on Facebook and Twitter quite a bit. Um, I don't know if any of you have been over to Dillard's lately, but that is a really substantial investment that they made. What they did was they purchased the old Yonkers building and knocked down the wall in between the two, expanded their first floor across to make it twice as big. They're decommissioning the third floor in the old Dillard's and getting everything down into the, into the lower levels. But they have spent a lot of money. And when you think about how tough the last two years had to have been, um, really, I think that the Gateway has done a remarkable job. I think that they probably have a lot more vacancy than you would know about, because what they've done is they've pulled small shots to the front, and they've put up a wall in the back, and there's probably a lot of dead space back behind some of those retailers back there, and that devalues a wall. But they've done a good job of keeping it looking like it's full. They do the best they can with maintenance and upkeep and try to keep the place busy. And when you go in there, you don't necessarily feel it like you would in some towns. Um, South Point Mall, they're doing great. They're, they've got some new restaurants coming. Um, they've got a ramen restaurant that they are building a space out for. And Who would have thought ramen? <laughs> that's a thing. And then um, there's also, South Point also has a um, diner that's going to be a diner concept from Omaha that's going to be coming and serving breakfast. So that's kind of a new thing for them. So the retail has done well. Um, industrial, you want to talk about that since that's kind of your specialty? Well, the industrial market is probably one of our stronger commercial markets uh, right now. We're really seeing uh, some, some escalating prices uh, for rents and for construction costs, uh, particularly in the last several years. I always get a little nervous because a lot of the folks who are tenants uh, in the industrial area are somehow connected with the construction world, and so you just, you know, kind of live and die on what's happening in, in our construction world. It's a really important market, not only in Michigan, but throughout the entire country. So, I, but I would say, uh, you know, there's kind of three primary areas that we deal with, which is office, retail, and industrial. And uh, really, I would say right now, the strongest one is uh, the industrial market. Um, another very strong market is vape shops. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try to find a place to put one of those in. I mean, they're all taken. Yeah, if it's vape or CBD, that is the thing. It seems like maybe during the pandemic when you're all stuck at home a lot, um, people actually wanted an experience. They wanted something that felt good. They didn't necessarily want to go buy clothes because they were at home. 
So they would go out and you know go for a spa treatment. We had a big rush on spas like last year. It, it suddenly died. Like all of a sudden, was like the phone just stopped ringing and no more spas were calling us. But we had quite a run. Everything from eyelashes to eyebrows to skin to whatever. Um, As you can tell, nobody I use. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, the baby and the CBD is big. As a matter of fact, I had one sale transaction that was really unusual. We had a a CBD store, and I I know I'm not the only realtor that's had this happen, but they could not find a strip shopping center to go into because every strip center already, every strip shopping center already had one. So they ended up purchasing a little bank building because they thought, well, if I own it, then I, you know, I can be in the building because I own the building and no landlord can tell me that I can't, that I can't come. Coincidentally, uh, my firm, we had the exact same thing happen. Uh, I do stuff predominantly in Lincoln, but I do some stuff in Grand Island as well, a little bit in Omaha. But this was a Grand Island building and they needed, uh, needed a place to go there and they couldn't find a place to rent, so they bought a building. Worked out for for Lonnie in my office. Worked out. So yay for him. Um, let's share a little bit of information with you about restaurants. That's always the fun thing people want to hear about from the Royal Lincoln Show. I don't know how well you can you see that okay. Um, these are the We've been tracking the number of restaurants that open and close each year. And the way we count restaurants, um, and this this comes down to a matter of time, how much time do you have in the day. Um, We track restaurants that serve a couple of meals a day. We don't track um, ice cream stores. We don't track coffee shops. We don't track nutrition supplement places, but we do, you know, if your predominant method of getting money is, is selling restaurant food and not predominantly drinks, we count you. And so when you look at the numbers on the left, those are the, the numbers of restaurants that have closed every single year. And there's an average down at the bottom. And then on the right is, the number, is how many have opened every year. So you can see in a low year, we have, you know, maybe 19 of them one year that opened, but mostly 30-something, you know, high 20s, 30s. Um, when you look at the average, LinkedIn nets about one or two new restaurants every year. That's really all. It's a, it's a pretty high failure rate for the restaurants that are here. And it's been fascinating to watch that that really has not changed that much in the years that, that we've been doing it. Um, and probably a good way to explain it, you do a good job of explaining the growth in Lincoln, that we have about three to 4,000 people a year that are born or come to Lincoln to live. I always use the town of Holdridge. We basically grow, it's a little bit more than, than that, but basically like a town of Holdridge every year. And this also explains why you're seeing a lot of the apartments that are being built because of right around you hear different numbers 40 to 50 percent of the people who are uh, coming to Lincoln are living in apartments and so that's why we need a little over a thousand apartments every year 
uh, I, everybody goes, hey, when are we uh, going to have to make apartments? Right now, we're, we're okay. This too will go wrong, I can assure you. Yes, sir. There was 2,200 apartment permits pulled last year. Right, right. And so, this, I think that's going to affect you over that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's correlation there? I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I think that this is going to go wrong <laughs> sooner or later because it, that, always, that always happens, you know. We, we always kind of overbuild. It's just kind of what happens, and then we just kind of hold on and wait till the, the water comes up to our boats. So right now it hasn't had a negative impact. If we keep going at the clip that you're talking about, I think that will start to cause some problems. It's fairly simple. You just watch what the vacancy rates are, and once they start creeping too much higher than five, six, seven, eight percent, and things, people start getting a little bit more nervous. Um, one thing to watch out for, we just had a guest on our show and podcast that um, from a title company. Um, just want to make sure you're all up on the latest in wire fraud, what a, what a big issue this is. The title companies have had to make significant investment in their IT because so many of their customers are getting these weird emails or texts telling them, you got to, it's closing today, you need to wire money to the bank. And what's happening is somebody's cribbing information. Um, they're, they're, they're creating emails that look like they're actually from the title company or sending texts that look like they're from the title company. Um, even realtors, it, I don't know of any commercial realtors this has happened to, but I understand on the residential side that residential realtors have had their logos stolen and somebody sends an email to their client telling them to send money. So our advice is don't use wire. Use a certified check. Just, just try to avoid it completely if you can right now. Um, one thing that would be kind of fun to talk about and maybe to open up for questions is some of the city things that affect the growth in Lincoln or the way that the city wants to design streets and roads for traffic. And this is that. the sort of stuff we like, but puts most people to sleep. <laughs> we'll try to make it interesting. Um, one thing to kind of be aware of if you own a property in a floodplain or near a floodplain, that just all of a sudden got more expensive. The realtors did what they could to try to stop some of that, but unfortunately they've decided to make our floodplain codes, which were already higher than what the national government required to make them even stricter in Lincoln and, all, and the properties next to the floodplains. This is gonna affect 20% of the land in Lincoln and make it more difficult and more expensive to build. So you have to watch that. You may have to be purchasing flood insurance in places you didn't quite expect. So you know, really watch that when you're buying a property. Um, but maybe more of the fun stuff, some of the city policies in regards, and we get a lot of questions about this, um, in regards to streets and roads, that is something that commercial realtors also, we watch a lot of the legislation on that. For a lot of the recent years, the city has made a concerted effort that we want to get traffic moving through this town really fast. And they have made, um, 
you know, like 84th Street, certain times of the day, you can go really super fast up and down. But one thing, and they've been working on this for many, many years, and I think in a way it's difficult, but in a way we're seeing results is big intersections and big corners. Like when you think about South Point Mall, you, you have to go pretty far away from the main intersection in order to get into the mall, right? And this is sort of a policy that the city has, which is hard for people coming from out of town in a smaller town and they're trying to purchase a property in Lincoln. Maybe their company wants a lot of visibility. It's difficult for them to find a site where you can just pull right in, right? Because you have to drive a half mile down the road or you have to take a little access road and um, you have to get, you have, you know, it's hard to get into the shopping center. But another policy that they've done has been the roundabouts. So how many of you have been down Yankee Hill Road recently? I call it Dramamine Hill Road because I always feel a little bit queasy coming out of that. So if you haven't been down Yankee Hill Road, that is designed to move traffic really fast. So you're going to see a traffic pattern in future years that goes east-west, right? Because that traffic, and when you think about Highway 2, that's sort of a geographic barrier that's going to separate South Lincoln from the rest of the city. And you're gonna, because that traffic can move fast east and west, I think you're gonna see a lot more commercial development along there and a lot less of hop in the highway to go get services up to the north. I think that's one trend that you might wanna watch for. Should we open it up for just Q and A questions? Yeah. Why, why is it like it is? What, you know, if you've seen a development movie that's something that's you know, you wanna know what it is, you can yeah, just to bring up one point, one of our one of our segments on our show, uh, we talk about different businesses uh, moving around town, and it's usually the segment that most people like to listen to more than, than our interviews with people. Uh, so I think if you'd like to ask us some questions about that, Robin mentioned why things seem to be going the way they are. Bear in mind, Robin here, you know, she thinks about all this city stuff because she was a former city councilwoman here. So she uh, she's the one who gets on all the council stuff. I just pull all the building permits all the time. So, but ask us any questions that you'd like, and we'll attempt to answer them. Are you both with the same brokerage? Or two Excuse separate, me. Two separate brokerage. Two separate brokerage. Robin has Eshelman Commercial Real Estate, and I have Alpers Company. And like I was saying, like your uh, modern real estate, is that right? Because yeah. I, I had that list when, when he came over to take a look at it. I like him, by the way. Uh, other questions? Can yes, ma'am. explain uh, industrial, industrial, industrial? Industrial? In, in what way? From a rental perspective or from a uh, sales perspective? Um, what kind of what kind of business in that? She wants to know what kind of business is going to industrial. Right. Yeah, and, and and that's why I was mentioning that one of the things that you kind of always makes you concerned is there are a lot of those businesses that are somehow tied to the construction industry, but they're not all that way. Uh, it used to be that we had a lot of businesses that were manufacturers, and we have fewer of those than what we used to. They're mostly warehouse type of uh, spaces that we see people using. 
points. I'll let you So there's a huge industrial project that's going to, if any of you have been out on Westo and seen the pet food facility that's being built, that's, it's by the correctional center on the south side of Westo Street on your way to the prison. Um, that is a, what is it, 50 million? It's a huge, huge project. And that's one of those local stories where somebody, I, I believe that was started locally here. And, and they produce some of the pet food like that you put in the refrigerator for your dog. You know, they ship it to your house and it's fresh. And that was a, a local company and they made it big. They are now owned by somebody in Paris? Is that France? Does that sound right? There was a European company that came and bought this little pet food place in Lincoln, Nebraska. So they're building this big, huge thing out there. Um, another, another big success is the airport is kind of reinventing itself. Have any of you seen the new, um, the, the redecorated and remodeling they're doing at the airport? It's not your mom and dad's Lincoln Municipal Airport anymore. It looks really good out there. And they have been quite successful in recruiting big companies to come. At least they uh, do grant leases there. You, you don't own the land there, you lease it from the airport. But they, uh, despite that, they've done a good job of recruiting. I will say that's one of the complaints of uh, several of my industrial landlords uh, is they have to compete against them, which is, they feel not, not fair. Yes, sir, and then yes, ma'am, I saw you. Yes. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because one of our colleagues uh, whose family owned uh, a good chunk of that, we just asked him that question about two or three uh, weeks ago, and they keep saying they don't know exactly what's going to happen there. It just, we don't know. There's a lot of infrastructure that had to be put into place in order to make that work, as well as a lot of the other developments in that area. There is an industrial development not very far from there that has been going through the city, and I believe it's actually uh, had some preliminary plans done. But that specific project, I, I don't know where we're, where we're at uh, on that, unfortunately. I can tell you this, I haven't seen any building permits for it. Yes, sir. What do you see as far as price per square foot on older industrial or whatever your break is on that, whether it's 90s, 80s, 70s, and then what's going on now with the new stuff? In terms of uh, price per square foot from a purchase perspective or Renting, from a lease? When you lease it. Well, I mean, it's, it, the new stuff has to be higher. Uh, sure. I just uh, lease some stuff at 925 a square foot. Okay. Uh, which was was new stuff. Uh, some of the older stuff was more in the six seven dollar range. So that's kind of what you see, and that's a fairly common spread. Of, Is there a differential between north and south right now on that, as far as the older stuff? Well, first off, there isn't a whole lot of older stuff on the south side of town. Right. Uh, there is a slight preference uh, for people particularly in the construction industry to be on the south side of town. The north side of town, sometimes some of those people like being there because of the close proximity to the interstate and being able to get up and down the interstate and going to Omaha and, and bringing in uh, 
goods and services as well as labor from the Omaha area and other areas uh, outside of Lincoln. Yes, sir. Do you guys experience how easy it is to get commercial land rezoned industrial in the city of Lincoln? Well, there's kind of a pyramid that you have of values, okay, in commercial. It, and the, the, the top of it is the most expensive. And that's going to be a retail type of location, usually one. In the past, it used to be there for uh, McDonald's, fast food restaurants. It used to be banks also were big uh, competitors there. The banks are not as active as they used to be. That, that, that world's changed a little bit. So I, the reason why I bring this up is then the next layer of values is usually the office stuff. And then below that is usually ground for industrial and apartments. So when somebody goes in to rezone something, they usually want to rezone. The city likes to see them rezone large areas. And you'll see kind of these concentric circles that they that they go for from intense, say right on the corner, and then to less intense as they go as they go back. The problem is not that many people really want industrial stuff as in their neighborhoods. It just kind of works that way. So there are certain areas where you have a tendency to get those. And that's part of the reason why we don't have a lot of it in the south part of town. Just wasn't set up that way. But difficulty in doing it, in a lot of it, the difficulty is, is it doesn't make economic sense a lot of times. Because they had a lot of it in floodplains, to be honest with you. They used to zone a lot of industrial stuff in floodplains, and they will tell you how much industrial stuff they have. And I go, well, that's that's nice if I'd like to swim, but since that's not my goal, uh, we, need, we need more of it, uh, particularly in the South Park now. Industrial prices have, because we have such shortages, um, you can go out and lease industrial space for about the same price that you can class B office space. There's, there's such a shortage of industrial right now. Um, Lincoln has what's called a contiguous zoning policy. They don't like hopscotching. They don't like, you know, an acreage and then a commercial building or an acreage and then residential. They like to see everything fall in line and go in order. So if you're looking at if you're trying to buy something um, commercial or residential and you're out in the country, it's, if there's not something just like it next to you, you're going to have a tough time. You usually have to, your best luck in trying to rezone things is if you, when I say rezone things, rezone your property. Your best luck is if you have that type of zoning that you desire adjacent to you. If you don't, then it's considered spot zoning and that, that becomes problematic. Yes? So uh, just like a little bit more specific to this, let's say if I own commercial land in West Oak, right? I want to rezone it to industrial. Sounds right. like shouldn't be too hard to do so. Probably not. That would be an area that would, would maybe, uh, where that would not, might work. So. What type of zoning are you thinking it has right now? 
don't know, just like general commercial. Like, not sure what the Lincoln City zoning code is, but I just know it's commercial zone land. <laughs> yeah, that should be uh, a little bit, a little bit easier. Uh, one of the things also that you'll see is underneath big power lines, storage facilities. You, because that's ground that most people don't want to live underneath the power line, but they don't mind ha having, you know, their store, their stuff stored there. Somebody over here raised their hand, I thought. Did I catch that or did I miss that? I'm sorry. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Sorry. On, uh, on industrial, if someone here was looking to invest, what's the most flexible industrial as far as, because uh, uh, like in residential, you have R1, 2, 3, 4, up through 7 or whatever. In industrial, is it like that? Is there like an I1, I2, I3? Actually, there is. Okay. And then which one is the most flexible? So say if somebody is interested in either storage units or... Maybe they want to put in a warehouse or something like that. What's the one where they can go, I can buy this and be relatively sure that the thing that I want to put in there that's industrial will be able to go in there. Yeah. They have what they call I-zoning, but that is a zoning that you don't see much of these days when they're rezoning things. They go with what they call H-zoning, which is highway commercial, which is what a lot of the industrial space is going into. It is really quirky, and it always depends on what type of use you want to have. I always tell people, hey, make sure you make a phone call to the city, and then make sure they email you back with the answer to your question so you know exactly what you're getting into. Because it is, it, it's hard to just give a blank answer on that. They're all over the place. So, good question, though. Any other questions? All right, John. Um, there seems to be a lot of vacancies down south in the strip malls and stuff like that. But you say retail's doing fine. What do you think about vacancies down there? I'll let Robin answer this. With your question, you have seen vacancies in strip malls? Yeah, down south. Way okay. south, like Yankee Hill, 27th. Oh, okay, like the edge of Lincoln. Yeah, I, are you talking about 27th and Yankee Hill? Yeah. yeah. I can tell you that there's no vacancy there right now. Or is it 27th of Pine Lake? I'm kind of confused on that. I can oh, almost okay. tell you there's no vacancy there right now. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's pretty tough for us when we have clients to find anything in the retail area now in the office area there is some vacancies in that in those areas you had your hand up yeah one like 27th and highway two like that whole corner is vacant what are they gonna do with that the shop co that's okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah that's supposed to be um an apartment project and they For had part of it and they had wanted to put office buildings in there but office is kind of slow um, there's retail that would like to go in there, but the retail is the smallest component of some of that. You know, like the, there's been some restaurants that have wanted to go there, but until they figure out the configuration of the apartments and figure out how they're going to replace the office design, because the office people aren't, don't seem to be terribly interested, that seems to be slowing everything down is... They had planned for so much of that to be office, and you know, COVID just kind of killed that. 
So, so they keep like redesigning it and trying to figure out well, what could we put in here, and we'll get to you, Mr. Small Restaurant, as soon as we figure out these bigger chunks here. That's that's why you'll see a sign, mixed use. Yeah, and so. you know the other thing is they bought that shopping center before COVID, so they paid top dollar for it, and so now they have to you know get their money back out of it. So that that project has been a little tough because it's a teardown and that's just very very expensive. Yeah, this gentleman had a question. Thank you for the compliment. What what's your take on all the numerous car washers that are being built? <laughs> you, you, notice, you notice our, our, our laughing. Wow! Does anybody have a dirty car? I mean, uh, I don't know. It seems like, well, I do because I live in the country. But uh, I don't know. Once again, I, I don't see how they can keep at the same rate that they're building car washes. It just, they're all over the place. When you look at it, you've got a very, uh, un, you know, once it's built, what else can you do with it? Yeah, that's the problem it's with a it. huge capital expenditure for them. Yes. <clears throat> we call those uh, special purpose buildings. My play on it is that they put it in, it's kind of like the gym memberships. They want to sell the membership they don't care how many, you know, they know people won't come to three times as you know, that would break even point for them. But where, where is this going to end? Because there's some big money on uh, lots of for that. Millions for putting each one of those in. And just for instance, there wasn't uh, any one of those out at 84th and Highway 2, and I say this because my office is out there. And Jet Splash goes in, and now Rocket is going to go in out there too. And I'm just going, wow, okay. I just don't understand how all these people are going to be able to make it, but what do I know? They know more about their business than I do. So. I can just comment on that. Um, they're an interesting investment for investors. Investors like them because um, you don't have to staff, you don't have to have that many staff there. And to some extent, it's very, automated so on a national basis investors like that I mean, you know where where you've seen the biggest pain is the self car washes those things are a sad sack you know if you've been to anybody been to a self car wash lately they're just they're just they struggle we have some more questions here. what's going on with sears any insight on sears oh that's a good question um sears has been kind of a slow game. They announced several tenants. They had some uh, Burlington Coat Factory, and we're just not seeing anything actually happening. But they they um, bought that building, and then they also, along with that, is the Red Lobster building. And so if you call for a restaurant, you know, we represent restaurants sometimes, and um, if we call and try to ask about the Red Lobster building, they immediately try to talk us into taking something inside the Sears building. So it's just weird. So that's been, you said that's been purchased and they're trying to sublease it? Um, the Sears purchased program? and trying to lease it, yeah. Lease it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sears, Sears doesn't own it anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. So there's a new landlord. And so the new landlord's trying to lease space. Trying to so. turn it into Burlington Coat Factory. And yeah, there, there was an announcement of there, some there retailers. Was. I can't remember who the other ones were, but that was months and months and months ago. 
Yes, sir. Have you seen any traction and what advantages, you know, the South Beltway? Have you seen anything wanting to move that way? Or is it just still too far out? Or, I mean, I'd just like to see your outs here. The big, the big problem you have with, with development going south, it doesn't really make any difference if you're going south or east or west or north, it is infrastructure. That's the issue. And frankly, just to sound a little bit crass, you gotta get rid of the poop. And that's always the problem because it has to flow downhill. And so we gotta make sure that we can get that out of there. And that's, that's the problem that you run into is trying to get all of that infrastructure into place. It's pretty easy to put in roads and stuff, but trying to deal with, with, uh, with the storm, well, with the sanitary sewer in particular. Do you that, think that's tough. 10, 20 years out before yes. the city can handle that? Yeah, it's going to be a while. It takes a while to burn through, I call it burn through, uh, these farms and this raw land that's out there. I mean, realize that on average, I mean, it, it depends, but it's about three to three and a half houses an acre in most of these developments. So, hey, 50 acres isn't that much. And that's, let's just make it easy. And that's 150 homes. That's, that's a lot of houses, isn't it? So it takes a while to get through things. It feels like it's going really, really fast, but it does take some time. I think what is kind of disappointing, a lot of people had hoped that there would be more of a city vision and a city commitment to invest in the wastewater and the sewer and the roads. And it doesn't really seem that way. You know, so much of the focus has been Haymarket, West Haymarket, um, some of the interior core areas. And we're very glad, of course, that the interior areas aren't deteriorating at a rapid rate. But the disappointing thing is that there doesn't seem to be a vision for the South Bypass and a future East Bypass. Um, other cities have had vision. Obviously, Des Moines, you know, when they attracted um, Cabela's and, you know, that whole, all the ball fields and everything, Des Moines and Kansas City are examples of cities that got shopping, they got hotels, they got entertainment. And we just haven't seen an interest in the leadership of Lincoln and doing anything like that. And I think that's kind of a shame. I have two questions. Um, what do you foresee like the taxes going up for the housing that near the casino? Do you foresee anything Taxes. <coughs> Specifically property tax. You mean the property yeah. tax going up? Well, as you well know, there's really two components that are associated with that. It's the value of the houses that are there and then whatever the mill levy is. And so I think maybe is your question whether or not that's an area where uh, we're going to see some price appreciation. I can tell you this, it's an area where we're going to see more houses. That, that I'm pretty sure of. Uh, that happens to be that Southwest Village Heights happens to be a, a pretty uh, busy development. So I don't foresee that it's going to slow down. 
Also, has there been any update on the rate that we're supposed to do between Omaha and Lincoln? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. The link between Omaha and Lincoln oh that's going to be debated for for a while with our folks in the legislature is my guess so i i don't really probably know anything more than what you guys do from the paper but that that's another one of those things that takes a long time to get all that through and it, it's not easy to push things like that there's a problem mm -hmm. now there's a lot of opposition Hey, well, you got this gentleman again. What's your opinion on land development around Lincoln? Let's say someone buys like 100 acres of land outside the city, spends years getting it annexed to the city. Like, I mean, how does that, I mean, are, what do you guys think about it, I guess? Is that feasible? Or? You've got some pretty decent time frames there. Look, I sold the ground in uh, 2006. Seven and eight at 70th and Rokeby Road. And you know, now there's houses all over there, but it's still not all built out from the ground that was sold there. So it goes to show you that these people who are these land developers have to hold on to this ground for a long time. It's not it's not as simple as people think it is. It looks like it's easy. Uh, Trying to get your development through the city is is a real chore, and then the amount of cost associated with all of your infrastructure is way more than most people believe that it is. It, it's very expensive. While the land is is a big component, and probably the largest component, putting in your roads really uh, really is expensive, and it comes right right close to that too. So. It's all going to depend on where you're buying your land, whether or not it's in the comprehensive plan, and what you can do with it. Does Lincoln have SIDs? Or? Lincoln does not have SIDs, and uh, there's a lot of people who complain about the fact that we don't have those. Uh, but, but right now we don't. They had one years and years ago, and it it went bankrupt, and so they've just never really wanted to try it again. So, how did you know about SIDs? That's kind of impressive. Uh, I know a little bit about development, so. Okay, oh, that, that's interesting. Any questions about uh, about construction sites that you've seen around town and you're wondering what it is? And I hope you ask me something and I know the answer right off the top of my head. Let's go yeah. with Golds. What? What's going on with the Gold's building? Oh, um, yeah, they tore down part of the old Gold's Gallery office building, and that's going to be mostly um, hotel and apartments and maybe some office and retail, you know, mixed use. But I think you're going to see hotel there, maybe a, or apartments. Yes, sir. Well, what's your thought on development in towns surrounding? What's our thought about what? Uh, development in towns around Lincoln, building in towns. Oh, towns, towns around Lincoln. Yes. We're seeing quite, we're seeing quite a bit of development in, in those towns. Uh, say for instance, Waverly and Hickman and okay. even Roca. Uh, 
the constraint that they have is once again is dealing with their sewer systems. Yeah. So they they have some of those communities are getting to the point where their their sewer system in and of itself uh, is about maxed out. You know, and so that's that's going to be a big question mark for some of them here. I'd say reasonably near future. But like with that, do you think that um, ties into with expanding the infrastructure south for the development on that south corridor? Um, kind of like what, how you're saying, like uh, with the infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, we always, you know, we hear on our radio show, we also do a segment on Thursday and they joke about, you know, how Hitman and uh, is going to grow to the to the bypass and then lean into the other side. But it's not going to happen that way. Uh, those are areas, those small towns, uh, that are desirable to a lot of people. And, and there's been a lot of development in them because it's been a little bit quicker to get things done in those areas. And they're able to do it. A, at a little bit uh, less of a cost in terms of holding costs on, on, on their ground in some of those areas. Uh, it's just always, you know, these small towns are kind of quirky, you know. You want, you want your kid in that particular school district. That's usually a big question mark. Um, so there's just a lot of different things that go into whether or not those things are going to work. But one of my overriding concerns is whether or not they can deal with the infrastructure. With the infrastructure. Yeah. In case people are just wondering what we mean by infrastructure, um, again, that would be the sewers, the roads, the wastewater. And there's just been a big shift in mentality by Lincoln and lots of other cities that well, we don't want to pay for that. But let the, let the developer pay for that. Let the people building the houses, they should pay for that. They should pay for their parks. They should pay for their wastewater. Why, why should those of us in the older parts of Lincoln have to pay for that? And so all that cost was um, pushed on to the developers and to the new home buyers for many, many years. We're now to the point where the cost of a new home is way above what the average person in Lincoln can even afford because we've been doing that for so many years. We don't have that collective vision of sharing the cost among everybody. Yes. What's your question? Um, what's the 27th and Arbor Road? What's your question? What's going on here? Oh, on Arbor Road. Did you say 27th or 7th? 27th. Oh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of dirt being moved over there. I'm not 100% sure about that. At one time, that was slated for more residential, but I would not, I'm not 100% sure about that. So, uh, we need to. I think that's a good that. guess, though. I haven't, yeah. I haven't heard of any commercial projects in there, so I'm guessing that's confidential. Oh, I just was involved with some stuff out there years ago, and that was what was going on then, but I don't know if that's what the case is right now. But there is a lot of dirt being moved out there. I just was drove in from there. And it's funny you say that because I was going to say, I'm going to go double check on that. You know, I was hoping to talk to Robin about that for our Thursday show. Yeah, I, I haven't heard of any commercial work there. Yes, sir. What is the project going on on the east side of the Knolls? 
on the east side. Are you talking about where the restaurant used to be? Oh, right. Right. Um, yeah, that's kind of a controversial little thing right now. They're going to, what they want to do is put office and retail right up along Old Cheney Road. And then in the back, they would have, what, is, what do they call those? Villas. Homes? Villas that would sell for like $700,000 a piece. And the neighbors are not upset about the villas. They're upset about having the commercial up by the street, which I think, well, that's better than having a restaurant right in the middle. <laughs> but, you know, people are hesitant when change comes. It's, it's hard. Any other questions? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, I just got, what's going on with the 98th and Van Dorn? It's a big commercial building going up there. All the steel's up. I've passed it a couple days, but I guess a little north of Van Dorn, I think, it's more west. I don't know of any commercial. Is that an apartment building? It's pretty large. I don't know exactly what it is, but it looks like they use all steel beams for the. I can't remember, that's why I'm splitting my eyes. Sorry sure. about that. <laughs> Gosh darn it, and I like to be 100% on these things. Uh, so we're gonna miss on that, sorry. I can't remember. But yeah, a lot of residential out in that area. Boy, that's yeah. that's amazing, just get in your car. We're, we're out to 112th and East Ode now. Can you believe, like it's at 112th Street now? It's just amazing how that. There's a school out there if you haven't seen it out, that's very interesting. Have you all been down by the um, Lincoln Electric Building? Have you, also, have you seen that facility down at it's, South it's, 84th? And it's a pretty impressive South facility. South 84th and the Kansas border. You know, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's Rokeby Road, but yeah, it's always, it's always out there. But that's just kind of a, it's a nice uh, facility to have out there. A lot of development coming in there. There's commercial development across the street from the Cooperapo Y. So I always get the two mixed up. Um, yeah, it's a lot going on on South 84th. Any other questions? Should we let him go, Josh? I think so.